because I wanted to help the people around the world who are below the survival mode. They have to struggle and waste all day thinking how they're going to bring the food on their table for the next meal. I wanted to put my company or myself in a position and then I'm picking up the projects globally and helping those people who need this money or who need these resources at least get them on the survival mode and they can think about something else that what they can do with their lives. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey everybody and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. And you're in for a treat today. I've got Vinky Lumba with me today. Vinky, how are things out in Southern California? Uh, the things are really good, bright and shiny, and I'm in the Northern California. <laughs> oh, you're in the Bay. Are you in the Bay? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, I wanted to put you down in UCLA, because I know you're tied to a university. Which university is that again? California State, East Bay. Oh. And I live in the East Bay, too. Oh, so... I guess I can't make it UCLA like I want to. <laughs> you can. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes you happy is all good. <laughs> She's so easy, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so now that we've talked about the... I was in California last week, and they were like, it's seven hours from San Diego to San Francisco. I was like, no, it's not. That's impossible. That's like... A really long way. They're like, yeah, it's like 14 hours in the end. If I want to drive from like the northern border of California all the way to Mexico, I couldn't believe uh, that. Wow. But why didn't you call me or ping me if you were in California? I'm like really, really offended. It's so far away because of how far away it is. It takes one hour, 45 minutes actually, if you fly. <laughs> and the tickets are so cheap. <laughs> well, I had no That's idea. Yes, money. <laughs> so what you're hearing is that Vinky was willing to get on a plane to come see me. Maybe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you didn't tell me. <laughs> um, Vicky, I mm. will make sure next time you know. So, because I'll be back in March. All right. So let's tell the listeners a little bit about you and your journey. How'd you get into multifamily? What does your business look like? All the good stuff. Sure. My background is in IT. I've been in IT for the last 20 plus years. And uh, I'm an adjunct professor as well at California State University. Um, real estate, uh, I have some background in real estate. Because with my W-2, I used to be a commercial broker. I was on the retail side. Because early on when we bought our second home, uh, we learned about the passive income. So we started multiplying our investments in the single family residence. And I got my real estate license. I thought I will do wonders, you know, like a young and invincible, motivated, ambitious that you can do anything. You can win the whole world. So that kind of attitude. I went into retail side and we learned about the retail sector. So we started investing in retail as well. But I could not keep it up with my W-2. 
because I was climbing up on my ladder of the W-2, I thought uh, this is the best way for me to be in a stabilized position with my W-2. And uh, fast forward, things didn't work out. It was too much on our place. So my husband was like, okay, pick one, either real estate or the W-2. So I picked W-2 over real estate because I didn't realize the power of real estate, the whole magic, because it was not in my experience. In my experience was just the retail sales. So I stayed with my W-2. But finally, about five years ago, my W-2 went away. So I took off. And at that time, I thought, oh, my God, I'm free, early retirement. I don't want to do anything. And we started traveling the world. We traveled multiple countries. Came back one day. I had this strong epiphany, like 3.30 in the morning. I woke up. I felt like like a void in my heart or something. It, it was like, if I die today, right now, I didn't do anything in this lifetime. Whatever I did was just for myself, my family, made money. What difference did I make? So I got up in the morning <laughs> after that and realized that I have to do something. Even though I do not need anything for myself or my family, I'm going to work for the people who need it. So I didn't want to go back to W2 again. So I wanted to start something on my own. I stepped back into real estate and I wanted to go into merger and acquisitions because I thought I have the background with the corporate background, went through multiple mergers. And I think you have similar background. You understand that. So we understand the merger and acquisitions, the system side of it. So I thought I can learn the business side, the broker side. So I wanted to go into that arena. And in my LinkedIn, I was looking for some connection who will help me break into that industry. But before that, I stepped into somebody's profile that read $400 million assets under management. I'm like, what is that? So that's how my multifamily journey started because I called that person, asked him what's going on. So he introduced me to the multifamily. Then I realized my good friend, Winnie Chopra, is doing the same thing. So I learned that and stepped into multifamily. Wow. And so do you have 400 million in assets under management now? <laughs> Not right now, but yes, I will. Wow. Okay. And so what makes you want to build a portfolio that big? Because I wanted to help the people around the world who are below the survival mode. They have to struggle and waste all day thinking how they're going to bring the food on their table for the next meal. I wanted to put my company or myself in a position. And then I'm picking up the projects globally and helping those people who need this money or who need these resources, at least get them on the survival mode and they can think about something else that what they can do with their lives. I like it. So with all the deals that you've done so far, have they all gone exactly as you planned for them to go? So far, yes, I would say so. So no mistakes whatsoever, no learnings, everything was perfect? No, there's nothing is perfect in this world. But again, it's up to you what you make out of the situation because every challenge is an opportunity. And then when you see there's a challenge, there might be some gaps and as long as you can see those gaps, you can find the ways to mitigate those gaps 
and create a better plan for you for the next time. So can you tell us about some of the gaps so we can get a feel for some things that you've overcome or things that we should avoid? Yeah, sure. For my first deal, when I came into the first deal, I came as a capital raiser. And I came in towards the tail end of the deal. And I was uh, super excited. Oh, I thought I got the deal. I'm going to make it work. I have so many connections, which I do. Over the years, I have made so many connections throughout the industry, whether it's IT or a professor and now in real estate. I thought it's going to be very easy to raise money from these people. And then, wow, the truth was hard. And being having given the time, okay, in one week or 10 days, you have to raise this much. And uh, it, it didn't work out for me 100%. The raise was like, <laughs> the ask was this big and the raise was this much. And... Uh, I learned a lesson, okay, if I wanted to commit to something, I need to prep the market, prep all my investors, what the, or, uh, you know, give them the taste of what the real estate is or what is in it for them. That's number one. Then second thing is do not commit for a short time period. Do not overstretch. You think like, oh my God, I can do it, you know, just need to understand where you're coming from or how much you can do and give yourself enough time so that you're able to meet the expectations, at least your expectations, whatever you have set forth for yourself. So that's what I learned. So I thought that I, if I wanted to get into any deal, I wanted to go into the deal from the very beginning, from the starting. So I do have 30 days, 60 days to raise the capital so that I can work with people at their level and get them all the answers, whatever they are looking for, prep them, and then not rush them. Because I'm rushing myself within the short time frame. I'm rushing others, which did not work for me. And I don't think it will ever work for anybody. Yeah, I, we've talked to Spencer Hillegas about this in pretty deep detail. The pushing to get people to put money into a deal just pushes them away. <laughs> it doesn't That's bring them true. into the deal. So I, I think that one's a fairly common one. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. And so what's been the difference between coming in towards the tail end versus when you come in at the very beginning of the deals? Have you been able to hit your targets on raises going forward? Um, yes, because the thing is, when you're coming in the beginning of the raises, you understand the deal much better because you thoroughly understand that because day one, you started with them. So uh, when you understand the complete story, you are not asking somebody all the questions that investors are asking you, you're able to satisfy their questions, whatever they're asking. And plus, uh, the other thing is, uh, like you mentioned, you're not pushing them. You know, the word push, that's what the word I was looking for earlier. You're not pushing them. You're coming from a place of fulfillment 
because you understand everything and you're kind of coming as, oh God, I'm helping you with this deal. I have this on the table and this is the offering and this is what you're going to get at the end of the deal. So you're not portraying yourself, oh, I'm asking you for money. It's more like I'm helping you. You know what I'm saying? So you're coming from a place of fulfillment versus as a chaser, like I'm chasing for money. I think that's kind of the secret. I'm presenting opportunity for you. And so the goal here is for you to take advantage of the opportunity that's been presented to you, right? Exactly. Yes. And people get more interested in that when you're not chasing. It just feels like, okay, she's not asking me for money. She's like presenting me the opportunity. They get more interested. Have you had to make changes other than, you know, offering an opportunity to your language to facilitate more people being excited about the deals that you're putting in front of them? Yes, a little bit, a tweak over there too, because you learn with the experience. Because I think for the first deal, you mostly go as, oh, I have this thing, I'm raising capital, this and that. But later on, your story is more like, yeah, I'm investing in this deal. It's just like more myself, I'm like an example. I'm doing this thing. And then let them ask the questions. And when they are asking the questions, I'm answering. That makes them, they are in charge. And when they are in charge, they are more likely to invest with you. Wow. Okay. And is that something that you wish you knew from the beginning? (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) But the thing is, like I said, every challenge or every opportunity or every moment in your life is a learning curve for you. So it's like how you take it and how you utilize that experience. And I would say experience is the main thing. And the more experience you have, the better you are. I love it. I love it. And so have you continued to like grow? People call it their list, but have you continued to grow the folks that partner with you on deals? Yes, I'm growing on daily basis. And uh, I utilize marketing tools, tons of marketing tools. I'm all over the social media. I try to be more visible because I feel like visibility is the number one thing in this business, or I would say in a lot of businesses, because when people see you, and especially see you talking, they feel like, oh, I know this person. So I'm growing my audience every day, being on active on LinkedIn, Facebook. I have a podcast as well, where I bring the success stories so people can learn from it and resonate with the stories because I know people love to hear stories. And there's always uh, so many nuggets in each and every story because everybody has a different way of processing things, tackling things, and different way of getting the results or achieving the results, whatever they're striving for. So every story has some good takeaways And that's what my podcast is all about, about the success stories and sharing people's secret sauce so people can take advantage of that and create their own path, not necessarily just following somebody else's path 100% because then you're not living your life, you're living somebody else's life. So (laughs) I believe that we should all creating our own path and live our own life. Oh, boy. So let's go down that path a little bit. What what does that really mean for you, right? Like creating my own path? Yeah. 
it means a lot <laughs> creating my own path because I don't want it to live somebody else's life because I'm never in competition with anybody else beside myself. And then I feel fulfilled if I'm walking my own path. I feel happy in other people's achievements, in other people's success. I do not envy or feel jealous from anybody. I just want everybody to use their optimum potential to achieve whatever they wanted to achieve in their life. And trust me, Jerome, things happen for me. I'm at a state, I just like, oh my God, things are happening. I feel so blessed and so grateful to be in this place. And so grateful to know so many great people around me, like you, yourself, you know. So all these connections that I'm making, I'm really, really grateful for that. Network is your net worth, I think somebody said. That's somebody so true. Smart. So Man, you talked about going down your own path and living your own life. You've talked about ways that you've been able to grow and raise more capital. You've talked about the importance of meeting new people so that, you know, you can get more things done. You've talked about allowing folks to give control of the conversation to the person who they're interested in bringing in as a partner so they don't feel like they're selling, but just offering information. So many good nuggets and jewels in this episode. I guess the final question I'd love to ask is just what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? I think the words of wisdom that work for me, I'm going to share the same. Be authentic yourself. Align with yourself. Figure out who you are. What is your mission in this life? Your mission is your existence. So once you understand your existence, why I'm here, just like any company, you know, like in any company, we have a mission and we have a vision, right? Mission is company's existence, why company exists in the first place. So that's how we take that model and apply on ourselves. We need to figure out who we are. What is our mission? What is our existence for? Once you figure that out, things are going to start falling into place because you're going to see all the challenges as an opportunities. So things can happen. And but be yourself. That's the most important thing. Don't try to be somebody else. Like I said earlier, you don't want to live anybody else's life. You do not know because the, uh, the life looks very shiny and so polished from far away. You know, like the grass is green at the other end kind of thing. So you do not know what kind of challenges this person is dealing with. So you wanted to create your own path. You wanted to walk your own path to reach your goals. Don't try to be somebody else. Be authentic yourself. Wow. Be authentically yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it from Vinky. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Multifamily Missteps. Thank you for having me. For sure. It was my pleasure. To the listeners, the pack is with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.